Hi, I'm Jordani Karma, and I've loved to read ever since I can remember. But somewhere between college and the real world, I missed the memo on what I could be reading as an adult. For years, I've thought of adult fiction as this book secret that everyone was in on but me. I decided to change that by focusing on fiction for a year and choosing books based on a specific genre or theme for each month. This is season one, episode six of Reading Like an Adult, and we're going to talk about literary fiction. A revelation I've had over and over in my journey as a reader is that it's okay to put down books, full stop. Part of my mission with this little podcast is to help end reader guilt. Whenever people ask what my hobbies are and I mention reading, The reaction way too often involves some sort of guilt trip for them. They genuinely want to read more, but they never have time. Or they think they should read more, but they clearly don't really want to. Or they don't read the right kind of books. I've talked a lot in my newsletter about the first two points of reader guilt. Right now, I want to address the idea of the right kind of book, because I don't think it exists. That might sound strange to say in an episode about literary fiction, but I think a conversation about big, beloved, critically acclaimed, and award-winning books makes it even more important to emphasize that the right book for you is the one compelling you to keep reading right now. If a novel isn't your best medium for tough stories, and you need a different way to process them, I think that's okay. And literary fiction as a genre holds an awful lot of tough stories. There's a lot of debate and gray area around what defines literary fiction, but my best definition is that it prioritizes character change over plot twists, features beautiful lyrical writing, and doesn't fit neatly into any other genre. Literary fiction is about exploring our humanity with character-driven stories that go deep into the process of internal change, and that inevitably means these books hold some emotional, challenging, heartbreaking scenes. It could simply not be the right time for you to read fiction with the difficult themes that literary fiction explores. When I was struggling with deep depression, I read a lot of tough non-fiction because I found catharsis in stories of real people overcoming real difficulties. But it was hard to make myself read fiction where anything too sad happened. There are so many reasons to stop reading a book. And if something in you is saying, this isn't the book for me right now, I think you should respect that instinct. Now that I've talked about why it's okay to set aside a book that you're not connecting with, I'm going to talk about why I kept reading Olive Kittredge by Elizabeth Strout, even though it wasn't my cup of tea. I had heard so many glowing things about this book, and it felt as if everyone in the book world had read it except me. If you haven't heard of it, Olive Kittredge, or Kitteridge, I've heard it said both ways, won the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction in 2009. Strout wrote a sequel called Olive Again that was published in fall 2019 while I was making my reading lists, and the sequel put this book front and center on my radar. In theory, Olive was a perfect transition from last month's theme of short stories to this month's exploration of literary fiction. Each chapter is a standalone story from a different perspective, but the stories all work together in a larger narrative about Olive a retired school teacher in a small, gossipy town on the coast of Maine. The book has some vivid character sketches, and it was intriguing toward the end to see how they eventually sort of weave together into a larger journey, 
but overall I was lukewarm on this book. It was a little too slice of life for me, and I struggled to see why it mattered to know about these specific people in this exact New England town. We could fill all the books in all the world with everyday tragedies and struggles, but when there are so many stories to read, I want to be able to connect with the characters. I want to know why this exact story is important. I also found some of the character descriptions puzzlingly vague. People were often summed up with, she had small eyes, or his clothes hung loosely. Side note, I'm only being so harsh on this specific book because it won a Pulitzer and was a bestseller. It doesn't really need me to be praising it on this little podcast. My expectations for it were high, and I was disappointed. I would compare Olive to an obscure book by Ellen Montgomery that is one of my all-time favorites to reread. A Tangled Web was one of the few books that Montgomery, who is best known for creating the beloved Anne of Green Gables series, wrote specifically for adults. Like Olive, it's about a small community of people whose lives are interwoven, and the book reads like a series of vignettes that dip into the thoughts and feelings and worries and hopes of a full cast of characters. But if I were recommending a book to you along those lines, I would tell you to pick up A Tangled Web instead. It has a page-turning plot as backbone to the story, and the characters, in my perhaps very biased opinion, are vivid and alive. I first read it when I was 12, and despite all the names, I don't ever remember losing track of the characters in this complicated family community because they were all so real to me. To sum it up, I kept reading Olive because I wanted to be able to say I'd read it. Not in a braggy way, but to be able to say I genuinely made an effort with this type of book, and it just wasn't for me. The next read in my month of literary fiction was An American Marriage by Terry Jones. I was preparing myself mentally for a more challenging read, because I knew this book's core plot focused on racism and brokenness in the justice system and wrongful incarceration. It's the story of Roy and Celestial, a black couple living in Atlanta who are still newlyweds, when Roy is falsely accused of rape and sentenced to 12 years in prison. An American Marriage is a story about racial injustice, the everyday fears that black men live with and the complex expectations that black women face, and the universal heartbreak of lost potential. Given all that, I didn't expect it to be such a joyous read, but the beautiful, vibrant writing made this character-driven novel a page-turner despite its tough themes. The story is written in first person, but with changing perspectives, so you experience three different characters and the full complexity and heart-wrenching gray of the situation they face. I loved this approach because it let you live inside the head of each of the key characters, while also getting to see them from the outside. This choice by the author feels deliberate and thoughtful, and allows Roy, Celestial, and Andre to come to life on the page. When Bel Canto by Ann Patchett, my next read in the month of literary fiction, starts, it doesn't feel as if it's shaping up to be a character-driven story that explores the human experience. It starts with a bang. Terrorists infiltrate a party thrown in honor of a powerful Japanese businessman. Their goal is to capture the president of the unnamed South American country where the story takes place. He skipped the party because it was at the same time as an evening broadcast of his favorite soap opera. The hostage crisis starts as pandemonium, but when it drags out longer than the captors or the captured ever expected, their lives begin intertwining in surprising, funny, tender, dangerous ways. I loved so many things about this book. 
It's told with high drama, yet somehow it's also ultimately a quiet, intimate story. It's a rule-breaking book, with a third-person, omniscient narrator flitting from one character's head to another, sometimes more than once on the same page. Yet each perspective feels key, and the cast of characters wouldn't come alive in the same way if the story had been told only from one point of view. There's a beautiful theme about our secret lives, how even those of us with normal lives and careers long for art and creativity and have a need for stories. You have the president of a country who adores his soaps too much to attend the party and miss a new episode, the successful businessman who lives for opera, the company VP who spends an hour at the piano every day, never realizing all those hours of practice were preparing him for this moment exactly. Another theme in Belcanto that spoke to my heart was the idea of vocation. The story reminds us that people need a purpose. We need work to do in the true sense of the word work, not necessarily in the nine to five traditional desk job sense, but we need to know that we're helping other people and making ourselves useful in the world. Even in terrible circumstances, people will keep searching for work to do and a way to restore order and care for those around them. The Mothers by Britt Bennett is also the sort of quiet, intimate story with shifting perspectives that speaks to my heart because it lets the reader sympathize with each flawed character in turn. It starts with one secret, the seed of something that will grow until it disrupts an entire community. It's the story of two motherless teenage girls who become friends, not realizing that their adult lives are fated to be tangled in a heartbreaking way. Nadia Turner is 17 and hurling herself into a reckless connection with 21-year-old Luke, the pastor's son, as she mourns her mother's shocking death. Their secret relationship eventually resurfaces years later to devastating effect for Aubrey, Nadia's best friend. Bennett's writing is spare yet gorgeous in this haunting debut about black womanhood, generational choices and how they shape people, community, religion, and female friendship. I'll be honest, I was intimidated going into this month's reading list. I always felt that I was missing out when I saw people talking about contemporary literary fiction before, because I wasn't sure what I could handle. But finally picking up these beloved and critically lauded titles gave me a real sense of command over my reading life. Whether you pick up these specific books or not, I hope my experience encourages you to tackle your next challenging read. This episode's reading inspiration is about forgiving yourself if you can't read the big, important books right now. I didn't read much fiction for a long time because the adult fiction titles I was picking up would make me sad, and I shied away whenever people recommended literary fiction that didn't sound like it would have a happy, satisfying ending. I was struggling, and I didn't want to be even sadder. I'm sure this is different for everyone, but I've found that when I'm already deep down in that spiral, sometimes it's hard to make space for fictional stories where people go through hard things. I don't want to read about sad fictional stories when there are too many real tragedies in the world already. In this reading month, it was healing for me to realize that I'm in an emotional place where I can read and engage with stories where sad, terrible, and frightening things happen. This is a time in my life where I'm able to both feel close to the characters 
and step back and analyze their experiences as a reader without feeling as if I'm taking on an extra emotional burden myself. mentioned in this episode were Olive Kittredge by Elizabeth Strout, A Tangled Web by Ellen Montgomery, An American Marriage by Terry Jones, Bel Canto by Ann Patchett, and The Mothers by Bert Bennett. You can visit readinglikeanadult.com for the show notes. This episode was written, narrated, and produced by me. I'm Jordani Karma, and I'm glad you're